Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everything you remember must mean something. So what does that thought mean? Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. All right, week four of Annabelle's maternity leave, and this week, filling her seat, broadcaster, podcaster, author, um, are we, polymath, is that a word I use when you're on the radio show, perhaps? I think it might have been. Is I, it over-egging I mean, the pudding to call you a polymath? I think it probably is. I think polymaths are people like Da Vinci. Right. Um, and I cannot bracket myself with <laughs> that's for other people to do yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, listen if you want to jeff you go right ahead <laughs> it's rick edwards rick has a, a new book which is a spin-off from his podcast science-ish um the book is the peculiar science behind the movies and also well, the first thing i wanted to do was apologize because since you've got here, you you caught me in a funny mood when you got here and since you've been here which is about 10 15 minutes you've had a full assessment of my various financial woes so I, yeah, I only... but I've, I've really. It's nice to get to know, you know, the <laughs> the money behind the man. <laughs> I just it, what it was. This Rick came in and said, "Oh, I like your house," and and instead of just taking the compliment, I felt the need to try and um, prove that I don't deserve a good house and things are going to go terribly wrong quite soon. Mm. I am now sort of low level worried about you. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a really nice house. Thank you, thank you. So it swings and roundabouts, isn't it? Yeah. So, so that, that apology out of the way. What I had to tell you first, which I hope will be exciting to you. So Annabelle had a, had a baby a few weeks ago. Congratulations, Annabelle. And she, she's just sitting around. You know, you know, you don't have kids, do you? No, I don't yeah. actually. No, I would quite like them. Right. Um, and um, in fact, the I met a very cute one the other day, and then I told my wife about it and she said well come home and let's get on with making one wow yeah where were so, you at the time did you did you proceed directly yeah home? I, I, I went i i curtailed the evening i went home quicker <laughs> than i would have done otherwise is um, she is she so, monitoring her ov- ovulation no i don't think we're at that level yet because that that can get quite depressing when you're trying to do it in a sort of mechanical fashion yeah it, and you're it, scheduling in yes yeah yeah i think we're I mean, maybe we will do some of that. I think that's yeah. quite sort of par for the course, isn't it? I think so. Have you ever had your sperm count done? No, I'm going to go and get it done. 
I found a, I found a place where I'm gonna I'm gonna get the full the full checks, not just count, but like is everything uh-huh. is everything in working order? Because you seem to me like a man who, who so so we had to do IVF because I have immotile sperm, and I feel right, like show I'm off. The, <laughs> I'm the kind of person that evolution is trying to weed out of the gene pool. <laughs> I think you you are the opposite of that. I mean, you look like you would have strong genes. Well, thank you. I mean, I guess um, you can't really tell from there's certain things you can tell about the phenotype um or, uh, about the genotype rather than the phenotype but can, i'm i'm sitting here pretending i know the difference between the just two. like what you what you look like so like every, your sort of physical manifestation mm-hmm. you could have some guesses about your genes but not that much uh, and it really wouldn't be i sort of i worry that i might have the old immotile sperm Really? Because yeah, but, but evolution everyone, is all survival of the would. fittest, and you are one of the fittest. Well, thank you, Jeff. Um, I, uh, <laughs> well, listen. Once I've had everything checked out, I'll let you know. <laughs> would you like me to come with you? Do you mind? It could be an intimidating experience. Um, is, is it the sort of thing that you want to have your uh, someone to hold your hand prob- with? Prob- probably not. It's depressing. They hand over a brown envelope with source material in it for for you to seek oh, inspiration. Do they? Yeah. And I do think it's uh, fertility clinics which are, are propping up the uh, magazine pornography industry. Yeah, because actually, like, no one is going into a news agent and buying Razzle anymore, are No, they? no. Like, actually, literally no one. I've got a depressing story about this, which is, so when we were uh, doing the IVF, I would, uh, with s- some regularity, have to produce samples. Yeah. Um especially when we to the bit where we were, were doing the rounds and mm. what have you. So in, instead of using the hospital's own source material, I thought I'll, I'll bring my laptop with me. Mm. But I didn't like the idea that anybody would perhaps steal my laptop and then find all this filth on it. So I made a special folder called, in block capitals, for fertility clinic, so that if anybody was to access my computer and find the filth, they think, oh, he's got a qu- quite a legitimate reason for having it there. Yeah, that, I mean, that's one of the great smoke screens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if only, what's his name? Damien Green. Is that his name? That is his name. If yeah, only, yeah, yeah. no, just create a for fertility clinic folder, Damien. You've got no problems. <laughs> Be as extreme as you like. <laughs> so uh, we got onto that because I was telling you, so Annabelle's got this four-week-old baby. Yes. And, and often when they're that small, all you can really do is sit around holding them because they don't want to be put down and they'll only sleep on you which is the situation she finds herself in so she she got to a point where she figured out she could watch quiz shows from 12 30 until tea time she could ah. just sit there the entire there is a way of uh i guess different with different stepping stone quiz shows getting all the way to tea town yeah from lunchtime yeah and, she, and it was becoming a problem for her so she decided not to go cold turkey but just to keep one quiz show the one she chose to keep was impossible I, that honestly, that's the nicest um, feedback I've had. <laughs> uh, maybe about anything I've ever done. <laughs> I'm really chuffed mm. because it means that she's foregoing, for example, Tenable with Warwick Davis, <laughs> which I know starts at three straight after Impossible. <laughs> Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Everything that you always wanted in a friend that was with you. All the time, anytime, right now, happening, right now. 
So please share your stories of social ineptitude. You can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Um, this first one came from Benedict from Munich. And I, I didn't print out uh, Benedict's surname, but it had one of those. I don't know what it's called. It's a German character. Mm. And it's, it looks a bit like a big letter B. Oh, but it's, it's, a, it's called an S set. S set. Yeah, it's like, it's like a double S. It's so great. Mm, it's really, it's a beautiful letter. Do you not feel that post-Brexit we should get a few more letters just to cheer everybody up and make us feel a little bit more cosmopolitan and outward looking? It wouldn't hurt, would it? Just a few umlauts here and there. Yeah, just, I mean, definitely crowbar and S set in. Yeah. I'm now, I mean, no, I've now got, I've realised that the last time I said S set would have been when I was doing German GCSE. It's a long time ago. I might. It might not be. Called I was that. so impressed. Yeah, yeah. I, I was when I pulled it out. I was like, I know that, and now I'm immediately doubting myself. <laughs> and, uh, so if it isn't called that, just well, you know, just be kind, please. <laughs> um, Benedict says, since uncomfortable situations with neighbours are particularly embarrassing, I have to share with you one that just happened to me last week. So one evening, I was awaiting a delivery at around nine a.m. I left the pub with friends earlier to make sure I was home when the package arrived. I was home on time. I sat on the couch and read a book. Surprisingly, the announced delivery man did not show up. For some reason, I decided to take a nap on the couch. When ten minutes later, the doorbell rang. So I got up, went to the door, opened it, and there it was. Still a little dizzy in my head, I mumbled, where do I have to sign whilst looking up? After the guy stared at me for a really long and awkward two seconds that it took to recognise his face, I slowly began to realise that this was actually my neighbour. As quick as I could, I followed up with some distracting questions and tried to look surprised, but I'm dead sure that this did not really help the situation. I shut the door as quick as possible to escape the situation. Still, this has been haunting me for quite a few days now. That I think it is, is bad to mistake your neighbour for a delivery man, and I, I speak with some degree of experience on this. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's very, very poor, Benedict. But, and uh, I, uh, yeah, I don't know how you get out of that at all. Are you, are you good with faces? I'm, I'm good with faces. I'm terrible with names. Right, I'm quite bad Actually, with Actually, no, do you know, I know, I've, I've really, I'm totally overstated my own <laughs> ability there. I think I'm bad with both to the extent that my wife has outlawed me now from ever saying, hi, I'm Rick, to anyone. Right. I have to say, nice to see you. That's what, what I do yeah, all the time. I have to because I had so many instances yeah. with her friends. Yeah. Uh, crucially, I've got a real blind spot on her parents' friends I cannot. I just can't recognise them. I never, and I don't know. I don't how, know. How I just can't. How many of these people are you interacting with? Parents, too friends. many, too many. Clearly, it is. Um, you get in some relationships. You, these people are never in your orbit. I could name off the top of my head a dozen of my in-laws' friends. Why? Why do I know those people? Yeah, well, I don't need see, to know them. I couldn't, but right. I, apparently, I should be able to. <laughs> Yeah. I do um, this thing. If I'm ever introduced to somebody and they say, have you met before? I say, yeah, I think we have, just in case we have, because yeah. then it puts the awkwardness on the other person. I, I do a bit of that as well. <laughs> and I think that's quite good. Do yeah. you know about prosopagnosia? No. Face blindness. So at one end okay. of the spectrum, you've got people who would see you and say, oh, I, th- I think I saw you on the uh, on the London to Manchester train 15 years ago. Yeah. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you've got people who work in an office and if they see their boss in the corridor, they wouldn't mm. recognise him because he's out of contract, con- yes. context. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm at the bad end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I went and got tested at the uh, University College of London. Um, they, they're doing research into this and you can go and get tested and then the next time it happens to you, you can say, I'm, I'm sorry, I have a condition. Make them That's, feel bad. I, I 
don't need the test. I'm just going to say I've got it. Yeah. I'm going to make a write, certificate. Write that down for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. Hokey looking certificate. <laughs> uh, this comes from Tina Melfjord in Norway, who says, Greetings from the cold and slightly socially awkward Norway. I stumbled upon your podcast whilst looking for something to listen to. And I just finished listening to the episode where you talk about whether your podcast would fit in with Nordic podcast listeners. And it really does. I've got a theory that the higher up in Europe you go, perhaps the the more awkward we are. Because I think like the Mediterranean people are very kind of outgoing and yeah. they show their emotions. And then you get to Finland and, and you know, there's long silences in that country that can last an entire winter. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy that hypothesis, I think. Yeah. Um, so so Tina continues... Um, well, at least to me, and I know I'm not the only socially awkward Norwegian around, I thought, what better way to prove it than by telling you about the incident that happened literally half an hour after listening to it. So I was heading to the local shopping centre for an errand earlier tonight, and I thought I would make it there just in time before it closed. I was so pleased with myself, having found a good parking spot. I hate parking in tight spots and would rather walk a mile than have trouble parking with lots of people around. And I walked towards the entrance. Just outside, I saw a group of those girly girls that makes me nervous. I mean, I'm thinking probably teenagers. I guess I think, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and realised that I needed to pass them to enter. They kept looking at me as I approached, and I decided to look confident and picked up my pace as I got my determined face on, only to discover why they were standing in front of the door. The centre had closed almost an hour earlier. Now, not wanting to look like a complete idiot in front of girly girls, I tried to pretend like I was just checking out the closing times at the door whilst walking a bit too fast, desperately trying to look like I expected the doors to actually open. Uh, Continuing, I, of course, couldn't turn around and walk back past the girly girls again, so I proceeded to walk around the entire shopping centres outside into a parking garage and up a floor to get back to my car without being seen by the girly girls. (laughs) I got in my car and drove to the closest shop still open and bought a plant, as if that was a plan all along. It was not. Uh, it says at least she says at least I got a story to send you guys. I've wanted to send one in for some time. None of the incidents that get me cringing years later pops into my mind when I actually need them. Only when I desperately need to forget them at two a.m. For example, uh, do you do you have that kind of is is your inner monologue allowed in a monologue? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I'd be surprised if most people's inner monologue wasn't fairly loud. I mean, I'm constantly chatting away in my head or, or or part of me is chatting away um and i really feel for for that kind of um horrible situation where you feel like you have to save face and you're just panicking and you'll do anything um and really go to some lengths which uh, which tina has done there yeah um and it, it kind of reminds me like the, the classics of those i suppose when you when you trip in the street and you pretend it's the start of your run yeah um my actual personal favorite you see a lot is when the the tube is held at a station but obviously as you're running down to get on it you don't know that so you absolutely hurtle (laughs) into the carriage and then you sort of gauge that everyone is entirely sedentary and then have to try and make out that like no 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 i wasn't i wasn't no i wasn't running actually i was uh yeah i was moving i was moving quickly but i was certainly 
not like I thought I was going to miss it. That's not what's happened at all here. And that, Which you, you're trying to convey entirely yeah, yeah, silently yeah, through silently. body language. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the, through body language, which says, I'm totally relaxed about the fact that this is waiting um, and being held at this station for a while. And I knew that all along. <laughs> uh, this one, uh, they've asked to remain anonymous. They say, just listen to episode 10. I live in Skokie, Illinois, a village which is a, has a high ratio of Jewish people. My neighbours are Orthodox, and I'm quite used to having to pop around for Friday night or Saturday to assist with things they're unable to do on the Sabbath, uh, even booking plane seats or hotels via the internet. Hang um, on a minute. Is that allowed? Well, this is the thing. This is, this, uh, this is actually a follow-up to something we were talking about before. There is so, th- My wife, who is Jewish, says the word is offensive, but there is a word goy for Gentiles. Yeah, and the, uh, the goyim. Yeah. yeah, a Shabbat yeah. goy is, is a Gentile who you get to do things for you on a Sabbath <laughs> when you can't do them yourself. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't seem to me to be following the spirit of the uh, Torah, right. but, 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 you know, who am I to judge as a Gentile? No, uh, well, as, as a potential Shabbat Goy. Yes. I'd love to be a Shabbat Goy. Well, are you offering? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> so give me a call. Uh, oh, you can't. This, this continues. I have an embarrassing story. Um, it might not be fit for podcasts. Oh, all right, we'll definitely have this. Then. Mm-hmm. I work as a doctor in the emergency room department at the local hospital and recently had to go up to one of our sister hospitals in Highland Park, Illinois, to provide holiday cover. Highland Park, coincidentally, is where my wife is from. Hmm. And it's where a lot of those John Hughes films were made. And oh, um, Cameron's house from Ferris Bueller's Day Off is just around the, around the corner from where my wife grew up. She... Hang on, C- Cameron as in with the Ferrari gang? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I need to point out that it's this town full of very rich people and, and I uh, ended up with somebody who wasn't from that kind of background and it's it's a constant source of annoyance to me. Yeah. Because like everybody so in that close. town is inheriting millions, Ugh. but not my wife. Um, anyway, uh, this continues. Um, I don't drive, so I had to take the Metra which is the train over there to Highland Park. Typically, when you're doing the emergency room, the trauma receptionist, if possible, will allocate you easier cases as you approach the end of your shift. So my last patient of the day was a man who had accidentally sat on a deodorant bottle. Hmm. The cap had come off when he uh, attempted to remove it and had been unable to retrieve the cap from his rectum. Hmm. Fairly easy. Uh, Snap on the blue gloves, get the patient to bend over, put on a torch and get a very long set of forceps. Job done. Hmm. Um, Last week we were talking to Adam Kay and he was saying this this is a throbbing baseline of working in casualty. So everybody's got, here's these stories from junior doctors and so Hmm. on, but it's that common. It's happening every day. And so people are just, yeah, just popping stuff up there. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. Mm. Anna, Annabelle's I've never appealed to me actually. No, no, me, me either. But you know, I, I, I'm barely in midlife. Oh yeah, there's plenty of time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, it's... a hobby for old age. <laughs> <laughs> that on a model railway. Um, well, I mean, they could go hand in hand. <laughs> Where's that track leading? Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, the shift was over about half an hour later. Uh, changed and headed off back to the station. Who do I see on the platform? Yep, the gentleman who only 40 minutes before I'd been gazing into the deep, dark recesses of his colon. We then spent an uncomfortable 10 Colourful minutes phrase. or so... <laughs> 
waiting for the train. The Metro was very full due to an open-air concert at Ravinia in the area. So we had to spend the journey from Highland Park to Evanston, which is just outside Chicago, in the same carriage. Both of us trying not to catch the other's eye. I can only imagine he went to Highland Park because he didn't want to encounter anyone local and went up to the sister hospital in the hope of being anonymous. Normally, when you have a patient, they largely become faceless. But spending that much time with one, I now remember his face. I've spotted him around the local farmer's market once or twice. I may have to change markets. I mean, what, what do you do in that situation? Do you, do you say hello? I think you desperately try and develop whatever that face blindness condition is. <laughs> That's what you need. <laughs> Uh, we would love to hear from you if you have any stories of that ilk, uh, things which perhaps happened, happened years ago and you're still waking up in a pang of anxiety in the middle of the night. Email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Time for Adrift with Annabelle Port and Jeff Lloyd. In whatever order makes sense to you, you are the one that is perceiving it. So Rick has very graciously agreed to uh, to co-host this week and... Mm. Um, the, the sort of original point of contact was uh, because you have a new book out, which is based on the podcast science, uh, science-ish, yes. which you do. Your co-host name again is... Uh, uh, Dr. Michael Brooks. Uh, the good doctor. Mm. Has he ever retrieved anything from... Uh, Not that I'd like to talk about. Also, to be fair, his doctorate is in quantum physics. I don't know as they do a lot of stuff. Um sort of in colon. <laughs> uh, so the, the book is um, the, the peculiar science behind the movies, is mm. the, uh, the line. Um, you t- Tell me a bit about it. Yes, yeah, so um, it's very similar to the podcast, almost like we're just trying to cash in on the podcast by doing a book. Um, maybe, maybe I could send all these listener emails off to a publisher. And... I mean, honestly, why not? Yeah. Scroobius Pip did it. Yes. You just, it's a, it's, it's a thing to do yeah, these yeah. days. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it turns out what one thing that we did notice is that we kind of had an idea that so the the premise of the of the podcast is we take a film and then we ask three big science questions um uh that sort of arise within the film um we don't do much of that kind of myth busting mm. um sort of why well, they then that wouldn't work because i find that stuff quite dull and there's quite a lot of that online anyway um so we look at sort of where the real science is at the moment and talk about it and speak to experts um i i find that um i don't i'm not particularly scientifically minded and i guess it's ignorance is bliss for me a lot of the times when i'm watching a film i think if mm. you know about these things then you maybe you, you start questioning them and looking at equations and stuff i mean in all honesty a lot of the questions we're asking are the questions that you that everyone comes out of the cinema asking when they so when you come out of planet of the apes you kind of go ah oh, i wonder if you know apes could ever um get super smart and usurp us um and that's just a question of sort of evolution and, and and niches and stuff like that or if you watch ex machina you come out and go well i don't know was that robot conscious and that's you know the sort of fundamental one of the fundamental questions when we're you know in ai research will uh will consciousness ever emerge from silicon and we don't basically don't know um and and uh jurassic park obviously you come out and you, you think well i wonder if there is some um dna in amber um no degrades too quickly um <laughs> but so they're all kind of quite um they're, they're quite obvious questions in in, in a way it's, it's and then a we shame just go to me into the jurassic detail. park thing i'd love to see a woolly mammoth well do you know what jeff you are in luck because the woolly mammoth because uh, the, the problem with dinosaurs is that they are all 65 million years or older um and 
the DNA will have degraded way too much because the half-life of DNA is, is about 500 years. Um, whereas the last woolly mammoth um, died four and a half thousand years ago. So relatively recent, like the woolly mammoths are not in any way, um, you know, contemporaries of, of dinosaurs. Um, and there are two. Hey, hang on, I've I've seen the Flintstones. I feel like I've seen yeah, the, the cavemen, dinosaurs, have, and woolly mammoths. Fast <laughs> and loose, I'm afraid, with geological time periods. <laughs> um, but the yeah, there are two. There are two twin, uh, or well, not twin, uh, rival projects at the moment trying to resurrect the mammoth. One in Harvard, and one uh, <laughs> being being run by uh, literally a disgraced South Korean scientist. Wow! Um, I mean, this sounds like quite, a film. Yeah, I, I, but I sort of, I'm genuinely tempted to try and write it as a film it's great yeah you kind of need to know what the what the outcome is but they're both saying that they think they're going to have a mammoth next year in, in, in 2018 a mammoth wool jumper well this is the thing there's a whole host of options are there, um, are there non-woolly mammoths um that's an excellent question and i don't know i'm gonna say probably not because they were living around a time when it's incredibly cold, so I think they would all have required the sort of woolly coat. <laughs> woolly um, is a strange adjective to atta- attach to it. It, it is, it is. <laughs> but it's also, it makes them seem uh, quite sort of approachable. I yes. Think. <laughs> Form an orderly bubble and off we go. Adrift. Rick, you have something. Yes, uh, well, just off the back of the um, the awkward stories from, from listeners, um, a while ago... I went to, I think it was Goodwood, one of these sort of race events. It's one of these ones where you get invited by a brand and you just go along and they feed you and they and they and they give you drink and you're just there and you have a you have a fine time. But there's also quite a strange mix of people. Um, so I'd gone along with my my best friend um, and also in our sort of little box uh, was Kelly Brook and uh, Priya Kalidis. Who is uh, who is an actress and, and singer from EastEnders, and I think Priya and Kelly are friends. Um, and we got chatting to uh, to Priya, um, and we were kind of talking about you know what horses we were going to bet on, and she said, "Well, I'm just going to go with the one the, the most Indian sounding one, obviously," um, and and found one, and we we're like, "Oh, okay, cool." And then she went off and put her bet on, and, and we put our bets on, and then about an hour later, um, we. We were all queuing up to put our bets on again. It was me and my best friend and Priya and Kelly. Uh, and we were just making some small talk. And I said to and, and uh, I said, um, who did you, who, who are you betting on, on on this time? I imagine you're going for, and then I just looked at the brother like, the Maharaja. Um, and, and then there was an amazing sort of pause where my best friend, and me, and to be fair, Priya had the dawning realization that Kelly hadn't been there for the previous conversation. <laughs> um, and uh, but but what's really nice about it is that neither my best friend or Priya did anything. They they were they were just so delighted <laughs> yeah, by yeah. what was about to happen. And sure enough, after a sort of pause of about two seconds, um, Kelly Brooke just said to me. Sorry, you've been racist. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 let me. And I, that horrible, like, you can feel yourself sweating and just red face and just panic, 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 panic as you try and explain why you've just said um, 
to Prekalidis. Oh, oh, I imagine you've gone so... for the Maharaja. That's so good. <laughs> that's so good. And also, I genuinely think that Kelly Brook probably didn't believe the explanation. Right. Because it just sounded a bit... Because I was panicky. Because it, and... it hardly... Yeah, I think once, once, you, once you're in that situation, anything you say is going to yeah, sound a little fishy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not bad. Not bad that Kelly Brook thinks I'm a racist, though. <laughs> um I had an email from Sharon who says, um, I think I may have been the one person listening to your podcast in the Maldives as I was on holiday there last month. Um, Bit of a brag there, I think. Well, we, we, have you, um, because with your podcast, do you get the breakdown of where people are in the world listening to it? No, I don't actually. You see, this, I think this information is accessible, but you choose not to send yourself mad by looking at all the stats. Yeah, I feel like that's going to really have an adverse effect on my mental health. Um, so that that solves that little mystery. Uh, Sharon also adds, I feel that I should point out as a subscribing drifter for which Annabelle bestowed on me the title of Grand Chancellor. I didn't steal funds, adrift funds, to pay for this unusual bout of luxury and your coffers remain safe under my supervision. What this is, is we have a Patreon, which is a, a very modern form of begging. Oh, yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. And uh, for for people who I th- I've not got the list in front of me, but it's, 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 for what is a paltry amount in American dollars, I think it's two dollars a month. Um, we will bestow upon them a title. Annabelle is is doling out like titles. All these people we've got as high sea lords, admirals, yeah, chancellors, great. and so grand on. chancellors. Good, yeah. So uh, this is you haven't a, got an imperial wizard, have you? Well, this is it's, uh, no the bad you, the bad they're the bad yeah, wizards, you, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. They're the ones you do. You just yeah. a regular wizard. Fine. Yeah. If there's a word like grand or imperial, there's, yeah, there's yeah. going to be there's, some there's, kind of problem. There's worries. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, So if you would like to support us on Patreon, um, it's patreon.com stroke adrift. Until we're all caught out pretending we know what we're doing, which we don't, obviously. Mm, It's quite apparent. Adrift. So I've been doing this other podcast, um, Reasons to be Cheerful with Ed Miliband, and there's a little team of people who work on this. This is Rick is just sitting here with my loft in my loft with me, and you can see that this is very much a one man band when yeah. An- Annabelle's not here. But the other one, Ed's got a couple of people who work with him who help out, and there's Emma who produces the show, and nobody's doing it for for any money. So we took them out for dinner last night, and and firstly because we were with Ed Miliband, the the chef came out. Of course, yeah. And he was very excited to have Ed there and had his picture taken. And we were taking our times with the menu. And he said, look, let, let me just sort it out for you. I'll pick out some things for you. So the first bit of awkwardness is, is when the bill came, I feel it was there were more items than if people had just ordered off the menu. Mm-hmm. But what could you do about that in that situation? Yeah, you can't criticise the chef's selection, really, no. can you? Because he feels like he's doing you... He's curated it. He's doing you a solid. Yes. So so that that was the first thing. But the, the second thing is um, one of the guys who works on the show, Alex, he, he put up a picture of us all on Facebook, his personal Facebook, and he's, he's tagged me. And it's like this really terrible picture of me. Um, I don't take a good picture in the, in the first place, because of how I look in real life, but like it's poor lighting. I've got a, a garden gnome-like quality to me. We'd done Richard Herring's podcast, and Richard had said, and this stuck with me, that I look like t- Tim Allen in the Santa Claus as he's transitioning into becoming Santa Claus. And I think this is very much on display in the photograph. So it's it's not a bad observation, is it? Okay, okay, <laughs> yeah. 
I've re- I've recently rewatched the Santa Claus, so right. I've got it fresh in my head. I was rather hoping you'd say, "No, you don't look a bit like that." Jeff. No, no, sorry. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's no, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I meant. <laughs> Have you just very? I mean, very brief tangent. Sorry. Um, there is a uh, a YouTube clip where someone has recut um, the Santa Claus as a as a horror film, uh-huh. and it is absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. It's so good. It's did, so. Did creepy. you ever see someone did that with the opening credits to Different Strokes? No, but I can. Yes, I can see that. As yeah, well. yeah, it's really. But good. I'm going to go and watch that. You yeah. go and watch uh, Santa Claus as a horror. Um, so, so my question becomes: like, is it acceptable for me to untag myself on Facebook hmm. because I don't like the photo? Yeah, I, I, I think it is. I mean, I've, I've definitely done it. I, I think it's. But then fine. he's gone to the effort of putting this thing up, and we had a good night, and he wanted to put, put a social media post. Do I look like I'm being big headed in some way? I, I don't know. So, so that's what I'm investigating in mm. this week's the incident. I started out by trying to talk to my co-host from the other podcast, Ed Miliband who had the Prime Ministership of the UK snatched from him after being photographed eating a sandwich in an ungainly manner. I just wondered, as somebody who has had bad photographs of themselves... Can't think what you're talking about, yeah. Plastered uh, all over the newspapers, what is is the best way of dealing with it? I don't know, let me know if you find out. I've just got to let let your personal vanity go. What's the bad photo of you? It's, It's not flattering, I think I look a little... Well, the one with Axelrod. No, the, the one of us uh, on our, our team night out, I think that l- the lighting is a little harsh no, I for my I face. Think I think the was very flattering. I <laughs> well, thank you. Now you're, you're making me feel even worse about myself. I showed Justine the Axelrod one, and she's like, he looks like a complete dog. <laughs> she said, he, he looks much better than that. He, why has he got that ridiculous smile on his face? So I was like having this ridiculous thing with Alex where I was saying, well, I think that Justine thinks he looks like a dog. Somebody who's been at the receiving end of um, well, it criticism for how they look in photos. No, but it wasn't me that was harsh. thinking it was just Dean was just like going on. Well, that didn't really get me anywhere. So I talked to Greg, who's a picture editor at a national newspaper. What if you've had a photographer out at like a red carpet event, a premiere or something like that? And yeah. um, let's let's just let's just pluck a famous person from out of thin air. What about Leslie Joseph? Yeah. Yeah. And Leslie Joseph's on the red carpet, and you get from your photographer, you get a roll of say fifty different photographs. And in some of them, she's got like a weird half facial expression because I don't know she's moving her mouth or she's yawning or something. Um, do you, do you ever deliberately pick unflattering photos? Um, not necessarily. If 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 it's something on the picture, so I'll be quite you know frank with you. Say it is Leslie Joseph. It could be a peg. Birds of a feather could be coming back on the BBC. Basically, what we'd, what we'd do here on the night, say a premiere, it'd come in and we'd say, oh my God, look at Leslie Joseph, we haven't seen her for ages. Doesn't she look well? And doesn't she look like Dorian from 1982 when we all used to watch it? Right. It all depends on who it is, really. Yeah. So you get Joan Collins on the red carpet looking fabulous, but then there's moments where certain people don't look too fabulous. But So is, is it like you've got an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other saying, use the really nice photograph, Dev, uh, Greg, or use the no. one which... 
makes them look old. It is discussed. We do discuss it, and but deep down, we'd never do anything just to say, "Oh, look at that," or derogatory towards that person. But what about what about like someone like my friend Ed Miliband? So there's that mm. famous picture of him eating the bacon sandwich. So presumably that's from a camera roll of pictures, and there'd be pictures on either side which look perfectly normal. Are you looking for the one that's going to make him look the biggest freak? Well, when when that came in. As you say, a, a non-Labour supporting paper during a, a, a big political sort of time. I'd say, you know, if we if you can mock the opposition in a way, every if we if we took ten pictures of you eating a bacon sandwich, I reckon one of them would look like that anyway. Most of us would, wouldn't yeah. we? Yeah, especially since I'm like vegetarian. That. I think all of the ones would look like that of me. Well, there you go. Yeah. Get your veg, veggie bacon sandwich. <laughs> And you'd have, you'd have you looking a bit gormless when you're chewing your food. Anyone would be. Do you ever have like publicists or managers like going going mental about pictures you've printed because they're not flattering? Once in a while, I must admit, the you don't really get the subject or well, you don't get the subject really not at all. But you, sometimes over, over over the years, I can't say whom. But you do get people saying, "Why did you do that? That wasn't very nice. We, you wouldn't mind if we did it to you." And then you get, and then some say, "Well, we're not, in the, we're not in the the public, um, the public light all the time." You know, if you're going to go on the red carpets, if you're going to go to a nightclub, if you're going to take the big check for the big BBC drama, you're going to be photographed. And sometimes it's not. You got to go to the rough of the smooth, isn't it? Yeah. Don't if you don't want to be photographed, don't leave the house. Live like a you hermit. Think- Exactly. So exactly. what? What should I do then? Should I untag myself in this photo or not? No, just leave it because that's that's the way you are, isn't it? Thanks a bunch, you're Greg. Not too <laughs> just leave it. That's you. Everyone knows you for what you are. But if you do look a b- bit of a buffoon, so what? There's loads of celebs and people and politicians and film stars have all been there. You you just jo- you just joined you just joined the list. <laughs> Melinda Messenger is a TV host, former model and trainee psychotherapist. I told her about my dilemma. That's a huge thing, isn't it? It's a huge thing because you're sort of like, it's your ego battling you every which way, isn't it? Because it's like your ego goes, oh, I, I don't want that. I don't want people seeing that picture of me. Um, but then do I make it worse by drawing attention to it by acknowledging the fact that I don't want people looking at it. Yeah, and I don't want to come across as the sort of person who would be bothered about a bad photo on Facebook, but it's really eating away at me. Yeah, I get it. I know, I totally get it. Totally get it. Someone who's been photographed a lot, like, would that happen to you all the time? You'd go to some event and then you'd pick up a magazine and it'd be like what you perceive to be a very unflattering photograph. Yeah, all the time. It's it's a complete minefield. So, you know, my my um, my way of coping with it is just don't look at the pictures, because you know, in the sort of public arena, um, you know, it's beyond your control. And yeah, on Facebook, you've got a little bit of power, haven't you? Because at least you can put pop it through a little filter. Mm. You know, choose the picture that you like, choose the one that's the most flattering, and put that out there. Um, but you've got no say. Um, and it's especially it, it, especially frustrating on Facebook because I suppose what we're doing on there is trying to present the best versions of ourselves to the world. I mean, that's what everyone's up to on social media. Of course it is. It's completely edited, you know, through our kind of filter of how we want to be seen. You know, even down, like you say, even down to the sort of analysing it, what will people think of me if, mm. you know, how does this put me across? I, I've kind of gotten to the point now where I care a little bit less about it. Doesn't mean my ego still doesn't like it. It flares up. How, like, how, did, oh you, my God. how did you get there? How did I get there? Just by 
resigning myself to the fact, well, that's how it is. It's not going to be any different. Um, and also that kind of the sort of realization, nobody really cares how bad I look in that picture. I care, but it's, you know, but in the scheme of things, does it really matter? It's, it's almost uh, like you're saying that all these things I obsess about constantly, nobody's interested in. And if I could just let them go, I'd be living, living a happier life. You'd you'd be you'd be freeing yourself off of a massive, <laughs> massive hook if you could. Yeah. Because that's it. I mean, do people really care? Does anyone else really care? You know, you you, you might go, ooh, that that wasn't flattering. Mm. But let's face it, we all know, we all understand how easy it is. I mean, God, I, I've accidentally taken selfies on my phone, genuine accidentally. <laughs> you know, when you think you're taking a picture of something else. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, I look like a 90-year-old woman. What happened? <laughs> you know, and it's like there's no way on earth I'd want people people to see them for my ego's sake mm. um but you know you know that we you, everybody can get caught in a bad light sometimes everyone's going to have a dodgy picture and so if you can stop beating yourself up yeah what a relief or antidote it antidote it by taking a hundred really nice ones of yourself <laughs> I, d- I don't know i mean I, th- I think it could take me months to get a hundred nice ones of myself <laughs> This is warm and friendly, and you like it, and that's why you're here. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You were the one that pressed play after all, with your thumb. Adrift, with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. You have a lovely thumb. This email comes from David in Hastings who says, I feel compelled to email you about holding doors open for other people, an experience I find horribly awkward, especially when there are a series of doors. Every day I need to walk through four sets of doors on the way from my car in a multi-storey to my place of work. My biggest fear is that when I approach the first set of doors, there'll be either someone just behind me or just in front of me. If someone's just in front of me, then I feel like I need to keep pace with them, but not too close uh, so that I'll be near enough to them when they dutifully hold the door open for me it gets awkward but if I'm too slow they will usually do that thing where they hold the door open a long stretch as if to demonstrate the effort they're going into in order to do this for me I'm still not sure if I should say thank you for each set of doors they hold open Um, so far I've settled saying thank you for the first and the last set I think that's that's a good policy first and last yeah Um, even worse is that If I have to hold each set of doors open for someone just behind me, I have to make sure I slow my pace down so it doesn't look like I'm running away. On occasion, to avoid awkwardness, I've walked needlessly fast to reach the next door so I'm far enough away that I don't need to hold it open again. Having endured this excruciating experience at least twice a week for the past six years, I've now decided that the best plan of action is to hide in a public toilet situated just after the first set of doors until the coast is clear. It is... um, it is a minefield, that one. It's thorny. It's thorny. It's one of this uh, age's great questions. Yeah. Um, and I do, I mean, I, I have to say, I think that the the thank you at the first and last is, is good. I think that's strong. Mm. Um, I think, I mean, the absolute safest is you just say 
thank you for everyone. And you feel like a bit of a goon, mm. but you're a very polite goon. Um, and then the, the, if you're the one doing the opening, I, I really, it's one of my pet peeves when people don't say thank you. I really, I can't, Do, I can't abide it. So I'm a very placid, non-confronta- non-confrontational person, but if somebody doesn't say thank you, I can go from naught to... Somebody yeah. doesn't say thank you, somebody doesn't accept a sorry. Those are my triggers. Yeah. Yeah, I, I will go, oh, you're welcome. I mean, I think I'm doing it that loud, but I'm probably just you're welcome, like that, yeah. passive-aggressively. No, but I think the you're welcome is, it's good. It's very British, isn't it? Because I suspect <laughs> you are whispering that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm yelling. <laughs> But it, ah, oh God, it really, it drives me up the wall. I can't, I just can't, I can't understand why people wouldn't say, just wouldn't say anything. Yeah. E- I, even in the car, if people don't do the little light flash or the little, like, raise the hand up from the steering wheel when you let them go. Yeah, I've, I've been in, ca- I've people? been in cars where, because I'm not a driver, so I'm often the passenger, and I've been mm. in cars where people haven't thanked, and I've felt the need to do it for them as a passenger because of. Oh, food. I do that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's absolutely fine. <laughs> if you know where you're going, it doesn't matter if the location is going in that same direction because you're already making the move. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port are adrift. Rick, before I let you go, some some more questions. And now on your website, uh, you you say that your mental arithmetic is impeccable. This is on your own website written by you, presumably. Yeah, I'm immediately um, thinking, yeah, you're right, I have got a website. I don't think I've updated that for around five years. (laughs) They are. I should a, look into that. Yeah, social media's replaced websites yeah. and whatever. Are you um, when you go out for a meal with friends? Uh, are you the one who's expected to work out the bill? Well, it's it's quite interesting that because I will often uh, commandeer that job because now people just always have it on their on their phone, so there's no mm. need for anyone to do it in their head. But I will still insist on doing it in my head, or I'll do it in my head and then get it verified, and then people are impressed. Because you would pr- pr- presumably, before calculator phones were were the thing. I mean, some people have calculator watches, but few and far between. Uh, you, the you, old data bank. Yeah, you, yeah. you had a, a, a high high status in the group of diners yeah, yes, because you were able to do this, and this yes. has been taken from you. Yeah, but I'm still You've been clinging, disrupted. I'm still clinging onto it. That's my point. <laughs> I don't what, think anyone wants me to. What sort of a tipper are you? Um really depends where i am actually i think i'm a i think i'm a pretty solid 10 percent man okay um do you, do you ever is, drop beneath 10 percent? yeah if it's been if the service has been bad well of course that absolutely doesn't wash in america in america it's nothing it, it, it's almost nothing to do with the quality it's just yeah. it's a mandatory 15 percent 20 europeans have a bad reputation in america for tipping 15 percent. i was there recently and i was doing 15 yeah yeah oh, they, they, you, they would have been bad mouthing you 20 oh, is, no. is the norm now 20s i mean that's a lot isn't it yeah but, but then it, they're getting paid so little I suppose. Yeah. oh i feel bad yeah oh well when, um, so so you are actually basing the tip on the quality of the service yeah i think so because that that feels in this country that feels like what you should be doing so I'm basing my tip on wanting them to like me. 
Oh, uh, right. You don't have any of that to you? No. So there's a sort of air of desperation about your yes. tipping, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah very much. It's, I sometimes use it to compensate for the bad small talk I've had with the people working in the restaurants. Um, I, do, I don't have an easy way about me, but I, I, I'm eager to be liked, and those two yeah. things are a bad combination. Costing you quite a lot of money <laughs> in tips. <laughs> ah, Jeff's given a 50% tip again. <laughs> Terrible chat earlier with the maitre d'. <laughs> are, you, are you a good small talker? I think I... I think I'm okay at it, but then I sort of imagine that you are as well. I'm bad. Do you but, have a, but your profession is is chatting nonsense. And yeah, that's but what it's, it's in a is. very confined em- environment. Do you have anywhere where you are a regular? Um, I was a regular. This doesn't cover me in in glory particularly. I was a regular in Nando's for a, for a long time to the extent that I wouldn't in Kentish Town, and I wouldn't really need to give my order they'd just they'd, I'd walk in and they'd be like yeah, cool cool <laughs> we'll bring it's both it impressive we'll bring it and over depressing. yeah it, yeah. It, yeah which is sort of one of the reasons I had to kind of rein that in <laughs> uh and then not really any like I've got a few pubs where like I, I know like I'll, I'll say hello to the bar staff in a in a way that but then, then where but are you then, going with it? You're going weather, are you going? Because you're a sports guy, so you've always got the sports to go for. Sport, sport is helpful, um, but I don't. It would there be any take way it as it comes? I don't think I have any stock, um, stock ins. Okay, I was going to ask as a sports person: Is there any like cheats you could give me that I could go? Because I, I sometimes like people. But I think you're going to get found out right. though, because if you just if you're sort of dropping a a, a football reference in. Mm. And then the person really takes it and runs with it, and then you're left floundering. I think that's worse. Yeah, because I find myself just hoping that all the teams have a nice time. Yeah, and that, which that is tends not to be good sports really banter. A beautiful attitude, <laughs> but it's not really what football fans are after. No. Because the reality of what foot like as a Liverpool fan, what I want is Liverpool to be having a nice time, and then everyone else to be utterly miserable. Right, that's my. Uh, that's my preferred well, if, state. If this, this makes you feel good, I think Liverpool had some kind of victory the other day because I was on the London Underground just after it happened. Yes. And the the fans were having a very nice time yeah. and everybody else in the carriage was miserable, myself included, and yeah. quite afraid. Yeah. The yeah. Second World War was evoked for no good reason. Uh, well, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think that, I mean, football fans, I love football fans. But and football they love the Second World be, War. Can be very boisterous. Um, and they can, I think they can get their references a bit off sometimes. <laughs> my, my wife, like, so she she is American, and we live quite nice, close to where Arsenal play. So often yes. she'll be coming home and have to, to sort of encounter Arsenal fans. Mm. And she thinks there is. No, she's not talking about violence, but like an aggressiveness in the chanting. Yeah, uh, that do- doesn't exist in the same way for American teams. And mm. I, my theory on this is, uh, it's to do with the climate here. To be a fan of a sports team here is is an act of endurance. Mm. You need you to know, be a bit hardier. Yeah, maybe. it's mm. you know you've been through a lot just just to be a fan. Um, where it's I think it's more celebratory. Over there, it's it's very curious. I don't know if you've ever been to watch any American sports, but um, the the consumption of American sports by American sports fans feels very different to well, particularly football fans. So football fans, uh, you you like you. Be- I become possessed when I watch Liverpool, particularly right. like when I'm watching it on TV, and particularly when I'm when I'm actually at a game. Um, and and there's a sort of frenzied madness, <laughs> uh, and 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 a lot of sort of 
outpouring of hatred, I have to say, uh, towards the opposition, towards the referee. Um, And then you go and watch sport in America and people are sort of having a nice time. (laughs) Right. They're just having a good day out. They're having a drink. They're having some food. They're having a chat. It's more like watching cricket. Right. Um, here. So how much does that or doesn't that apply to football around the rest of Europe or, or the world? I, I think it's I think it's very similar all around the world with with football, and I don't know why why that is. So I remember going to they sent me the radio station sent me to Euro two thousand and four in Portugal as a, as a not for a month as an on football fan, which was very boring for me, and I felt mm. guilty because I was going getting these great seats at all these games that I had no interest in watching, but. Um, we we were in Lisbon, and it seemed to me that the the England fans in particular they looked for the kind of biggest open space in the city, mm-hmm. and then occupy it with as yeah. many flags as possible and as many naked torsos as possible. There was it's like yeah. the, the the largest amount of flesh on display, and it was large flesh by uh, you know by any any standards. Yeah, a lot yeah. of bellies. That's the um, yeah, that's pretty much the the drill um, with watching. I mean, in fairness. Uh, I I wouldn't even really call myself an England fan. Like I can't. I find it quite hard to get on board with that stuff. And I wouldn't watch. I wouldn't go abroad to watch England play because I think that you're bracketing yourself with a certain uh, type of fan that I try to <laughs> try to avoid. Uh, but I am. But I am sort of that fan when it comes to when it comes to my team. Right. So there's um, a Jekyll and Hyde quality. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, there really is. I mean, actually, do you know what? To thoroughly disprove what I've just said, um, in Euro 2004, I was on holiday with my friends in Biarritz in France. And we were all... God, this is awful, actually. We were all in our... In fact, there's a really terrible... You probably can't... I'll I'll do both halves of this story, and I think you probably won't want to use the second half. (laughs) Because it reflects poorly on you. Well, it's just sort of... It's sort of it's an grim. awful. It's sort of awful, okay. yeah. But I, I'll tell you, and you just see how you feel about it. Um, the we were playing Portugal in the quarterfinals. Me and my friends are all wearing our England shirts, so immediately mark ourselves out as terrible people. <laughs> uh, we're watching it in a in a sort of open air cafe, and what is happening is that all of the it's mainly French people there. They're all supporting Portugal because they just like people don't like us. Yeah. And so we're sort of slightly getting baited by the other people in the in the cafe. And there's a group of <laughs> there's a group of girls <laughs> um, who I think French who are supporting Portugal quite loudly. And they're really and when Portugal scored, they really celebrated. It felt like they were sort of directing it at us. And it was I could feel myself really like like just getting really mad. Um, and then England scored. And rather than sort of celebrate with uh, my friends, I just turned round and I can't even say what I what I bellowed, but I basically bellowed at these girls. How do you like that? You and then and then some the stream at stream Whoa. and effective, and then had to just like sit down and go, what has what what's just happened? Why have I <laughs> why, why have I done that? Why have, why have I just screamed at some at some girls like and and it's a it's horrible it's a horrible um thing to feel in yourself uh and that that's the weirdly that's the first half the okay half of the story the second half of the story is that we lost that game and me and my friends were it was our last night on holiday and it was very bleak um and we wanted to go out but the spirits were very low 
um, and we went and got changed out of our England shirts, and then we sort of sort of plodded back out to go and find a club or whatever, <laughs> just with no enthusiasm. And I thought, I need to do something here to G up the troops. Yeah. Like I, I'd need to, you know, fire everyone up. Uh, so you did some of your mental arithmetic. Yeah, and I just thought they were impressed them with feats of mental arithmetic. <laughs> um, and we'd been every day, and I thought, I don't think anyone else has noticed this. Every day we'd been walking past this um, food van, and it was a large Alsatian sitting outside, presumably belonged to the owner. And it, had, it the whole time, every time we saw it, it was always licking its own genitals. <laughs> and uh, and and, I, and we and we were approaching this food truck and i said to the lads ah this will cheer you up i guarantee i can get that dog <laughs> to, to, to lick its own dick <laughs> and i went over to the and they're all and to be fair their interest was piqued uh, and i went over to the dog and, and and sort of was stroking the dog and then the dog kind of got up and then this is really and there's photographic evidence of this which is terrible i just a sort of reached around and just gave, and just like gently just tapped well there's no other there's no other way of putting it i gently just tapped the dog on on its on its dick and sure enough the dog got the dog got straight down and started licking it and my and and i went away celebrating my friends were absolutely delighted um, and we went away and had a good night um but the the fact remains i have um, in in one night, screamed at a group of girls that I don't know, and then uh, tapped a dog on its penis. Oh, I can't I can't think why you thought that was an inappropriate story. It's really quite wonderful. Um, the, the both the book yeah. and the podcast are science ish, um, and Impossible's on the telly if people want to watch that. Anything yes. else while we're here? Uh, no, I think that's probably that's probably a lot. Impossible seems to be on all of the time. Two fifteen, BBC One. Just uh, just before yeah. Warwick Davis. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Very fine show. <laughs> Rick, thank you so much. Thanks, Jack. And that's our podcast. Thanks for listening and downloading. If you haven't shared your story of your social ineptitude with me and your fellow drifters yet, email hello at adriftpodcast.com. I am, as I keep saying, relying on you to keep the quality up while Annabelle's away. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music. And if you're looking for something festive to do in December... They are playing at the 1965 Records Christmas Party at the Windmill in Brixton on the 13th. That's Brixton in London. And they're such a great live band. I, you've got to go and see them. I insist. Thanks to Emily Harrison for the incidental music during the incident and to this week's advisors, the Right Honourable Ed Miliband MP, Greg Bennett and Melinda Messenger. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox made our idents. Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support. Carla Gowlett took the photos and Kim Rainey designed our artwork. It really helps us out if you rate and review the show if you're an iTunes user. And, and actually, no matter how you listen, iTunes or not, it really, really helps us out if you give us money. Patreon.com stroke drift. Thanks to Rick Edwards for being such a wonderful guest host. His book is called Science-ish, 
the peculiar science behind the movies and so is this podcast which is also excellent and finally thanks to that dog in France for um, rising to the occasion Drift. All right, on to the podications. Once again, with the disclaimer that these are in a right old mess because Annabelle usually organises them and I lack admins, admin skills. So um, apologies if yours has somehow fallen through the cracks. I'm trying to get them in order. And I think if there was a date in the subject line or somewhere obvious, I have I have included it here so let's see how we get on i've also printed these out in such a small font um that i should really have a magnifying glass to read them but let's see how we get on first one comes from our friend joseph gorsey who says hello jeff and annabelle or annabelle standing actually it's just me um i'm recording this after rick left um anyway hello joseph writes I'm not sure how your recording schedule works, so I hope I'm not too late already. You're not. I'd like to request a publication on Wednesday, the 15th of November, for my son Gabriel, as it will be his first birthday on Saturday. Can't believe that. That's flown by. Um, I remember the sort of build-up to this on the old radio show, and, and now here we are, a year later. Nice little story arc for you if you are a long-time listener. Um Knowing that Gabriel is doing well. Um, he's got more teeth coming through. Oh, this annoys me. He's taken his first few steps whilst holding onto the settee. I'm saying it annoys me only because of how advanced Gabriel clearly is compared to my son, Gene, who I think wasn't doing that till about 14 or 15 months. Um, what else? Sorry, I've got to squint again. And he loves a button, particularly the on-off button on the TV and the shirt buttons. Can't believe it's been a year already, but at the same time, I can't believe it's only been a year. Yep, I uh, understand that feeling. But I won't go on too much because I know people don't like baby talk from me. I think they're fine with it from you, Joseph, but I think it annoys people from me so if, I, if, if, I, um, if I do it too often. By baby talk, I don't mean talking like a baby. Speak like a child. Um, Gay- oh, here we go. Uh, Gabriel is a very slow eater. See, Gene's a very fast eater. He's very advanced with that. Um, So we started listening to the podcast as a family when we're all together feeding him his lunch or tea. Though, unfortunately, with my work, that has been less often recently. Whilst he likes a drift, he gets a little grumpy when we play Reasons to be Cheerful, particularly when Ed's on. I think Gabriel considers it cheating on Annabelle. Yeah, I don't know what Annabelle thinks. I'll have to... uh, You know what Annabelle's like. She wouldn't tell me. She'd, She'd... bottle it up even if she did feel like i was being uh podcasty unfaithful um what else it's his first first birthday i've got to be honest if, if i sound a bit weird like i'm talking like that i've just a, a, an ulcer has just popped up on my tongue so it's my tongue now feels like it's slightly too big for my mouth like uh you know like this old jamie oliver thing so that's what's going on here so if i do sound a bit like that that's why um it's his first birthday, so we're spoiling him a bit. We got him presents in addition to a podication. I mean, that is spoiling, really. The podication would have been ample. And he's going to have to have a little party on Saturday. I hope he has a great time and a good year ahead. Joseph Gorsi and Liz too. Well, 
Gabriel. I'm sure you will not only hear, but I'm sure you will comprehend this one day. And um, it will be mystifying to you why your dad makes you and your mum listen to this podcast, I'm sure. Um, anyway, lots of love to you three. Um, and I'm sure Annabelle would send hers too if she were here. Um, let's have a look what else. This next one I've printed out even smaller. Uh, who does it come from? Great. I haven't printed out who it's from. This is amazing. Um, not quite sure what to do here. I wonder if in real time I can go into the Adrift email account and try and figure out who this publication is from. Hang on a second. Bear with me. It starts. That's the first line. I thought I put it. Okay, okay. I think I can get there. Yeah, it's from Reese. There we go. That wasn't too excruciating, was it? What do you mean it was? Um, yeah, it comes from Reese, who says, I thought I'd put finger to keyboard to congratulate you both on finding your ticket out of that hellhole you were in. Um, but that feels too much like praise. So I'll just say I've listened to every podcast in its entirety so far and infer from that what you will. I'm writing in to request a third podication for my wife, Christina. I only make reference to the running tally in a hope It'll prompt her to reciprocate the gesture. You might recall, that I have absolutely no anticipation you would, uh, but I'm the socially clueless Welshman who included Jamaican Patois in a previous podcast in a misguided, though nonetheless loving, exhibition of cultural appropriation, and whose then fiance, unbeknownst to me, sent a lifeguard to watch after me whilst I kayaked to avoid any wedding day disasters. This, uh, this is all familiar. It's so familiar, in fact, I'm worried that I read this publication out two weeks ago and, and it's just, and my memory has not retained it for whatever reason. It's only retained bits, bits of detail. Um, but anyway, let's not get bogged down in that. Um, let's see. Well, I've lived, I lived, and we've now been married a year, but if I'm honest, I'd all but given up on one crucial element uh, I tried to place at the epicentre of our marriage. But whilst on the London Underground yesterday, my wife clocked a man pressing the open door button and she made reference to your call for standardisation across all trains. It's taken a year of courtship, four months of engagement and a year of marriage, but I finally ground her down so far that she is now listening to your podcast. I just punched the air there. I don't know if you heard the swoosh of the air. Uh, granted, it was while she was captive in the car, while we spent the last month exploring her homeland, but still, uh, she's hit a new low and I'm in marital bliss. Congratulations. You've dragged her down to our level. Um, we both enjoyed the live show earlier this year and look forward to your thing next week, Jeff. Oh, did you come to that? Now I'm getting confused. I'm... I'm really worried that I read this out for you. Anyway, if I did, it's 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 nice. It's a test to see if she's still listening. Um, all the best with the drift. I'm still listening after 14 years, so you're either doing something right or um, I'm more afflicted than I am willing to concede. I suspect it's the latter, but I'll take it. Um, Patreon and the mandatory five-star review to follow. Finally, and most importantly, congratulations on your pregnancy, Annabelle. Well, as we all know, she's not pregnant anymore. She is a mother of Rudy. I haven't um, 
I'm trying to remember when I last talked to you, when I last recorded a show. So I'd been around, and anyway, I'll, I'll, when Annabelle comes back, we can talk about some of the things that happened. But uh, all doing well, all doing well in uh, uh, in Snaresbrook near London, where Annabelle lives. Right, mustache stock up on space ice cream. Best wishes, Reese. It's good, good publication up until that point, Reese. And um, yet again, I've failed to print out the name of the person who sent this one. So bear with me. It is Simon Moore, who says, I'd like to request a publication for my wife, Abby. She has been a long-time listener of the show, and I would often come home from work to find her listening to your radio show whilst cooking dinner. She couldn't wait for your podcast, and now is an avid listener. This this is good to know. I'm waiting for the I'm, I'm waiting for the backlash. Is it coming? Simon writes. I recently changed my job, and we now work from home. Both of us. We have a small home office, and our desks are less than a meter apart, which can be interesting. The upshot is that she now has got me hooked on your podcast, and we often sit very close together, both tapping away on our laptops whilst listening. This this is lovely. This is a, a template for marital bliss here. I'd like to thank her for letting me share an office space with her and for being a brilliant wife and mother. Hopefully this will make it onto your podcast and she will be bowled over to hear it. Well, there we go. Um, I'm hoping that I did everybody who wanted one this week. And apologies if I've ended up missing somebody and then reading ones out that I read out a few weeks ago because I have no... uh, no short, mid, or long-term memory. Um, so there we go. Latest edition of the podcast is podicated to Gabriel, one year old, from Joseph and Liz. Uh, also, from Reese to Christina, and from Simon to Abby, that's the latest edition of the podcast. And if you would like a podication, you can email hello at driftpodcast.com. And uh, I don't know what next week's podcast is going to be yet because I am going to be in the United States for Thanksgiving with my in-laws. So it's possible it will be uh, a mother-in-law special or maybe it won't be. Who knows? Uh, that, That all remains to be seen. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.